Good evening and welcome to the South African Equestrian Federation's podcast from the horse's mouth. My name is Georgie Roberts and I am your host tonight as we talk today about what can sometimes be a controversial topic for people, whether to use them, whether not to use them and what to use. We're talking about bits and bitting tonight. It's a nice change from the heavy topics of the last few weeks. If you didn't join us, we covered safe sport two weeks ago and last week we had Dr. Sheila Higgerty in the studio to talk about clean sport both um, essential topics for all equestrians to familiarize themselves with. Tonight, a little bit of a lighter topic, and we have Dawn Mansfield, a lecturer from the equine science course at, I should know this because I did the course and Dawn was my lecturer, at what is now called the Tuan University of Technology. She does the diploma in equine science. Um, Dawn herself is now a master's of technology. Is that the correct yeah. phrase? MTech Agric Equine Science. Um, and that, of course, gave birth to her current project, which is what we're discussing here tonight, which is pro-bitting, which aims to um, feel the connection for horses and riders alike. So, Dawn, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Tonight. Um, so, obviously, we're, we're being quite broad with SAEF tonight because we're aiming to engage everyone from, obviously, high performance is very interesting, but really entry-level people and understanding the uses of bits, yeah, what they would choose for their horse and why. I think bits get a lot of a bad rap or they take a lot of responsibility for a lot of things that happen with horses. So um, I'm interested to, do, to to discuss that, but can we can we discuss a little bit about the equine science course at Pretoria, what, when I was there, was Pretoria Technicon? Yeah. And you've been there for quite a while now. I don't want to, I don't want to overstep the boundary <laughs> and say it's been... I did start when I was very young, fortunately. Okay. But I have been there now for um, going on 23 years, okay. actually. I was going to say 20, yeah. and I thought, ooh, she might smack me. No. I'm still scared of you. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, for 23 years now, and the course itself has been running for, it's going on 32 years um, it was presented at what was Pretoria Technicon, and it's been Twani University of Technology now for about, I think it's going on 20 years. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a really good course. And um, the, the subjects that I'm involved with presenting, one of them is called, it's now called Applied Zoo Technology, because three years ago we recurriculated the course to broaden it a little bit and make it a little bit more inclusive we for example have introduced um a subject that touches on coaching and instruction as oh, well so there's just okay. a little bit more of a yeah. broad base in terms of career opportunities and yeah. as a foundation for people going into different aspects in the horse industry and um so one of the subjects that's one of my favorite to teach is applied zoo technology and zoo technology is it's focuses on animal husbandry and handling and training and all. It's a broad name for that. And um, the subject itself included confirmation, tack and equipment, equine behavior, and the disciplines. And um, by the when I started sort of focusing on doing on pro bitting and doing bitting consultation work, um, I had been in academics for about nine years. And it really is a very good, it makes you a lifelong learner. So I had had to do a lot of research. Can, can you to, hold on, can you just hold up your um, paper? I was showing the, the podcast <laughs> runners and I was saying, is it, can you, you can just tell when someone's a lecturer, just yes. marking my homework there. <laughs> we always make so, notes. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so it, it does. It makes you a lifelong learner. And I think horses make anyone a lifelong learner. They do. They really do. But it's, yeah. it's nice. That's a, that's a very good okay, thing. Yeah. And, um, and having to sort of study and prepare and, and put together the work, the content for my lecture notes and so forth, it really, it gave me, first of all, a really nice broad base in a lot of topics in the horse industry, which I think has really helped me when it ultimately came to focusing specifically on bitting. Yeah. And um, when I started to teach the bitting, I also thought a lot about how can I kind of break this up so that it's a little bit more, um, because it's, it's, there are so many different types of bits and to try and teach them, the, my students the, the names of every bit and so forth, I thought that's not the most practical way of doing it. So I figured if I rather try and break down a little and look at about the mechanics of how it works, try to look at it a little bit more logically. Understanding then, it exactly, as opposed to learning that it. If, yeah. if somebody were to hand you a bit, you could possibly look at it and think, well, you know, if I understand that this is how something works, I can then think a little bit about how I might apply that and what type of horse I would ultimately use it on and so on. So that's where it all started. And um, it, it led to well, the other passion I have was for studying confirmation. And that's what I did yes, my, your master's, my master's degree in. And all of that sort of came together and um, it put me on this path of oh. then I decided in, in it was 2012, um, to 2008 sorry to start with with probiting and um yeah and i've been doing it since then on a consultancy basis so we and when you say you combine two of your passions being confirmation and um and and bitting i mean the the mouse confirmation is quite a a novel a, a novel yes. way of approaching bit fitting whereas before we would just go it's running away like a seam train. Throw a piece of twisted wire. Please don't. I'm joking. <laughs> uh, you know. So whereas now people are going, oh well, let's go, let's have a look inside and see what's going on. And yeah. you don't think about horses as having internal confirmation, but of course no. they do. Exactly. Exactly right. So when we when we did look at confirmation, we always sort of spoke about the external features of a horse's face, but there was never really that much discussion about the head and the mouth in terms of how that might affect choice mm -hmm. of bit. So that was something I really started to, to to take a look at. And I have to admit, like with anything, I've learned a lot from the horses. Horses are great teachers. So <laughs> over these years, I've had my hands in a lot of horses' <laughs> mouths. Um, in, you know, it sounds like, have you ever seen that thing that says, describe badly what you do? Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know? yeah. Okay. well that's quite yeah. literal, but that is literally how it's done. And, um, you know, and then, so I've got to feel and see a whole lot of different things. I've okay. been exposed to a lot and I've learned a lot from that. And I have to admit some things that I probably would have taught as gospel, maybe when you were a student, I've come to realize. <laughs> Do I get a refund? <laughs> <laughs> maybe I've come to realize, um, you know, we, 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 need to, we need to reshape our thinking a little bit about it and or develop our thinking a little bit about it. And, um, so, so to get back to, to confirmation and the horse's head, so my analogy for it is, is and it's ironic because I've got to think about people's feet, but everybody has two feet and we all have, well, most normal people have 10 toes, but the shape of them, that's the contour of them. That's very footist of you, <laughs> Any amount of toes is fine. It's oh. very different, okay, oh. between different people. And as a result, the different type of, shoe that you might like or that you find comfortable, I might not find comfortable. And Even I found, if we were the same size. Exactly. Yeah. 
So I found that to be a little bit the case or with the way I describe it for horses as well. Their basic mouth conformation is obviously the same, but it varies a lot in its features from horse to horse to horse. Mm. So, so just to give a drop of theory, that's the lecturer in me. Here we go. Um, we, the, the, and I, just want, can, I just want to interrupt and just remind anyone that's tuning in, and we do have some listeners, if you would like to pop any questions for Dawn, take advantage of having the lecturer in the room. You can ask her, try and keep it limited to bits, ideally, <laughs> but um, confirmation questions, I suppose. But um, please pop your questions in the comments box there of the live chat. Sorry, carry on. Yeah, so, um, so any bit or bridle system puts pressure on one of eight places in the horse's, on the horse's head and in its mouth. So I like, this is also kind of how I digested it for myself. For our external, that's the pole, the sides of the horse's face, the corners of its lips, and the curb, the, the curb groove or the lower jaw. And then inside the horse's mouth, it's the tongue, the bars, and the roof of the mouth, okay, okay. predominantly, and to some extent, the lower jaw inside the horse's mouth. Now, what I started to look at is to see how those features in different horses differ significantly. Okay, so in other words, for example, the shape of the, the roof of the horse's mouth. Some horses is very curved, some horses have got very pro prominent ridges there. Others is ruler flat and very fine ridges. The corners of their lips are very different. Some are super thick. Some are even the full width of my thumb. That's really? how thick. That's amazing. Really. And, and turned in. So there's a lot of fleshiness on the inside oh, of, the horses, okay. of the horse's mouth. And, um, and the wrinkles or the grooves in the corners of the lips. Some are very superficial. Some are very deep just as some examples, and the bars of the horse's mouth, that's the bone the bit puts pressure on. Some of them are very fine, some are flat, some are arched, some are ridged, and so there's a lot of variety. And what you sort of start to see is, or what I've come to believe is, is that to some extent how the horse experiences the bit pressure is influenced by their head and mouth conformation. Must be, yeah. So I have to say one other thing, though, is, is um, and I think it's important in context of tonight's talk, is we all know from the horse world that there are lots of things that contribute to, to Absolutely. any horse's performance at any time. It's a holistic. It is a completely holistic thing, and that's always important to realize and always important to be aware of so when when i comment or, or say the things that i'm saying now or like when i'm talking to somebody when i'm doing a consult i'm distilling it to focus on what we're doing which is we're the making bit. the assumption yeah, the horse is sound exactly okay. and and you you there's yeah. there's we are maybe jumping the gun a little bit but it it bears mentioning right from the start is there's no substitute for you know good, Absolute, good care schooling, of the yeah. horse, good husbandry, and good schooling, good training, good coaching, oh. and all the rest. So if someone does phone you and say like I've got I've got an issue, my horse is throwing itself over backwards. I'm sure it's the bits. Is is that the first port of call? I mean, I know as a as a rider and as a coach, that's my first port. Is I'll say, oh, has a vet seen it? Is it okay? Is it, this? Uh, I do. I you know if if that's if that's the sort of question that you presented with. It's not always quite so dramatic, but sometimes it is. Um, and then I do ask, I would like to know, but to, and I obviously as well, if I go there and I see the horse and I think to myself, 
you know, I, 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 in this case, I really don't think the horse is or the bit is the, the primary problem. Mm. You always refer, you know, and that's a good thing. I think that's happening more and more in the horse industry. There's a lot of cross-referencing. And we're to working stay. together. Exactly. And I know. think that's equally yeah. important that one says, you know, have you had this check? Mm. But my my thing would be is, is I always say I'm going to give you feedback based on what I'm seeing for the bit. Mm. But always realize it's it's not a quick mm. it's not a quick fix. Mm. I also always say that if if I had that bit that was the quick fix, that it was a switch and I could flick it and it was all, I'd be okay. rich and retired. Yeah, totally. But I'm not. Totally. So um, we've got to keep so, looking. So I think I think just to touch base on that, absolutely. I think it's something we made a note of lower down is like check your horse's feet, the back, make sure the teeth are done. You know all, all those other things, it's, and it's so important. Yeah. And 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 then check your yeah your and fat then you, in the right. <laughs> then you can um, then you can streamline, and so mm. you can look at this as one cog in a wheel. Mm. It's a very important cog, mm. but it's still only one cog. Mm. So yeah, that's just in the context of some of the things that's going to be you know the replies and explanations for things. So mm. coming back to how the confirmation of the mouth can influence the horse's response, mm. it's one thing yeah. it's one cog but it is an important cog um mrs mansfield miss mansfield we've got a, a comment here from corin jordan saying hey hey which i'm sure uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure is directed at both ma'am and her classmates um i think it bears to say that the equine science course actually had some really good alumni before we go on i know belinda martin of Pembroke, who's one of our club owners and very active in the show jumping community um, but they were, they, they've been, they've been loads. Yes, they've they been have. really, okay. Well, there's one, there's one, uh, Corin is an Equifeeds. Yes. Rep now, I think. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry. So we've, so we've discussed briefly, um, the, the horse's mouth confirmation. Um, where do you want to go to from there? Do you want to discuss what determines Talk a little bit, bit about the action and the, the, I don't know how you want to, how yeah, you want to get a big way to that. Let's, I mean, let's have um, a look. Let's. I think that's that's always a um, a little bit of a question. Is the the, the Venn diagram now? I'll yeah, <laughs> so, and it's a tricky oh. one. Um, is is there is that question of which is more severe and why? Oh. And um, and I one of my ways of explaining it is is I always like to I use a scale of one to ten, and I I sort of try if somebody asked me how strong would you say that bit is, this is my way of sort of relating it to them and I'll say on a scale of one to ten it's a one or a two or a five and pretty much we don't really want to go into the nine and ten on that scale because then we've crossed the line and there's probably a lot more wrong that you need to get sorted out but it's definitely not going to be helping you do that so um if we if we were to look at the 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 lower range of that scale a, a bit that I would score as a sort of a two, a three, a four, that we generally looking at our snaffle family of bits, okay? okay. And that's quite a big family in itself, yeah. all right? But it essentially is the group of bits that don't rely on much, if any, leverage action, okay? okay so There's, leverage would be bringing in your pole pressure and... Yeah, okay. that, that's what we're also going to... Okay. Um, I'm, I'm being the deconstruct yeah. okay. a little bit okay. because I think that's one. That's a, there are a couple of things. That's where I think there's maybe okay. a little bit of a misconception, a little bit of a. So yeah. So if you were to start with your the range of snaffle bits, okay. in other words, let's let's call those bits. They they don't have 
a shank action. So do you want to hold that? Up? Yeah. Okay, so to show let's, people what let, the, just, yeah. just so we can get a little bit of a, a classification here. So those would be our snaffle types of bits. That's the loose ring. This is an egg bite. You get D rings and filmers. They're all in the snaffle family of bits. So they don't really rely on much leverage action. Okay. Okay, and then you get... So the ring goes directly to the bit, which is directly on the exactly. bar all the time. Exactly, so your cheek piece attaches there and your rein attaches to the same ring. So okay. the distance, this is my simple way of explaining it, but I think mm. when, it comes to when it comes to something like this, simple is good. Mm. So the distance between where your cheek piece attaches and where your rein attaches is a fairly short distance. Mm. So there's very little lever, there's mm. very little okay. leverage, Okay. As soon as we start to get into bits where there is some sort of distance between where your rein attaches, where your cheek piece of the bridle attaches, and where your rein attaches, we've introduced a degree of leverage action. And as soon as you have leverage, the force exerted is a little bit stronger on whichever point it's being exerted. Okay. Okay. And then you get fixed leverage which is where the palum family of bits comes in, put it that. So it doesn't move. It's mm. fixed leverage. And then you get what you call your sliding leverage bits. Okay. The terminology I like to use for it. And this is really where you go into your gag family of bits. Okay. So this is a ring gag and, you know, ending on your rope So, gags. So the, the gag would be between the palum and the snaffle on your scale of... Ah, uh, you see, this is where the, this the misconception comes in. So <laughs> to some extent... Okay. To some extent. So essentially, on that scale, your your bits that have got leverage, I would always put five and above, put it okay. that way, okay? okay? And then we'll we'll clean up a little bit where they fit in that range. Anything without any particular leverage action, I always score sort of more down okay. in your in your sort of two, three, four type category. Okay. All right. So um, and then. And the reason for that as well is besides the leverage, which increases the force that the bit exerts mm. on the point, is these types of bits, curve um, palum bits, curve bits on double bridles, and the various gag options, increase the force on one or another pressure point, or they increase or apply force to more than one pressure point. Okay. Okay, so a snaffle generally is either corners of the mouth depending on the horse's head position or the tongue and the bars, okay, okay. inside the horse's mouth, okay. all right? Whereas a curb or a palum bit and a gag bit, we start to get a little bit more pole pressure, and it's interesting which of the one exerts more, and it's the gag. And Ooh, that's, that's interesting. It is interesting, sure. and that, that's one too maybe we can chat a little bit more about that I, one. I'm just thinking, like, you would you would probably see – more people, um, you know, being nice to their horse by electing to go into a gag before a pelham. They would, yeah. yeah. And, and see, this is where it gets a little bit interesting because it's, oh. not, it's not really about which one would be right or wrong. This is also a little bit where it starts to get, this is where it starts to get a little bit more, in my mind, a little bit more bitting for function mm. in that... Um, if, for example, let's 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 just use this one as a bit of a reference point. If you a palum is quite a strong bit, 
They, but they also not all created equal. So there's a few things that need to be. I just want to. Get well, and that. I suppose it's about also like when you say betting for function, are you looking purely for breaks or are you looking to lift ahead, drop ahead? Okay, yeah. Exactly. So this is okay. this is where it all gets a little bit more. Mm. Yeah. So let's. I'll try and answer that question first, then I'll come back We're to. Both this. getting so excited. <laughs> We're like, oh my god, this. There's, there's so much to discuss. Yeah. That's that's where it gets challenging. So if we. I also like to sort of simplify it, to be honest, if yeah. we if we have to think what we do use bits and bridles for, um, in an ideal world, we wouldn't need to, but we do, mm -hmm. and that's just the fact of it is. One aspect of it is for control, for regulating pace and steering in some I think it's the safety of the spectators often. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so that's one aspect. And the other aspect is I like to say it's to influence or to to uh, the horse's outline or, or enhance yeah functional okay um, posture when we mm. ride okay and that's that's open to a very broad description you know it's not necessarily let's just leave it at that at a very broad description so we can have the horse working in what is biomechanically the most optimal way for it to carry for the it to be a strong riding. horse yeah. a healthy exactly. horse a sound so, horse that's so and we do use bits to help influence mm -hmm. and 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 regulate that to some extent and this is again this is a good example of where we know it's about everything combined and our goal is not to focus at all on the bit but the bit has a role to play and i think it's it's look there's also obviously the safety elements everyone i, I think the interesting thing whenever we're, we're discussing which is like a bit of a welfare issue you know like where's the line between kindness and cruelty because I think it's really important for us all to remember we all learned at some stage. Absolutely. And, and everyone who has learned how to ride a horse has probably learned so at the detriment of some very generous, kind horse. Absolutely. So let's do, like, like I don't think we can go with the, um, what is it, first do no harm. Let's go with, let's do the least possible harm. Ah, so exactly. You know. And and that's that's actually a very a very good point. And it, and it leads into what we want to say for this. So just... To, to address that a little bit as well. So if we if we look at a at a fixed leverage to art option, which is the palum, and as a, a general grouping of bits, and we know that most palums are fitted with curb chains, or all palums are fitted with curb chains. These days we use back straps as well, but let's go for the curb chains. So as soon as we've got that, I always like to, and I I do this with people. Like, if you put your arm through the bit, were you going to say you do this with people you don't like? I think sounded like the end of this. And sentence. if you were to rotate it like that, you can actually see the extent to which it clamps my arm between the mouthpiece of the bit and the curb chain. Yeah. So this is where, for example, as opposed to a snaffle, the the palum brings more of those pressure points into play, and it has that clamping action. So that's where it's. A higher level element of control comes from mm -hmm. and it focuses the pressure on the horse's tongue and bars for example and generally as much as we understand it pressure on the horse's tongue and bars encourages the horse helps encourage the horse to flex a little okay. bit more and lower its head and neck okay, okay. so now to 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 look at this in in your comment that you've just made of the welfare aspects mm -hmm. and and trying to be as provide as much comfort as possible. One of my favorite sayings to say all palums are not created equal. So as some examples, first of all, you get different lengths of shanks, okay? So the longer the shank, the stronger the leverage. That's just 
you know, and, simple maths. And, and I just know from a dressage perspective, I can't speak for for the other disciplines, but there's a limit, obviously, yes. on how, on but the length. Ironically of enough, it's actually quite long. Oh, really? Yeah. But okay. Five and a half, um, or fifty-five millimeter length of shank, and seventy-five millimeter length of shank are fairly standard. Okay. So this one is a 55 mil shank. For example, 75 mils would be two centimeters okay. longer. Much longer than that when we start to get to um, a 10 centimeter shank below the mouthpiece. Okay, and that's and while saddle seats riders yeah, usually a longer use one, okay. Yeah, and a longer shank above the mouthpiece as well. That's, we call it the purchase. That influences a little bit the degree of pole pressure that it puts. Okay. So, those are things that can influence it but this is this is the part for me where i think we can we can create some awareness and i think it can make a very big difference to quite a few horses is i like when it comes to to choosing the bits and let's say for example we we do we are going to put the horse in a palom and maybe it's a it's a junior horse or it's a child pony or something like whatever the reason might be and we do want to be using something that's a little bit stronger we need to bit the mouthpiece to suit the horse. And we need to be aware of the things that have changed and the developments that have been made in terms of the design and manufacturing of bits, which has come a long That's way. Great. It's changed there, dramatically. It has, there's been a lot of research yeah. done. There's been quite a lot of money put into it. And these days, and we have access to that in our country, mm. there are there, there is some really well-made bits Okay, and this is an example. So this is this is a ported mouthpiece, what we would refer to as a ported mouthpiece, but this is the, the actual name for it is, is a, um, a happy tongue or bomber blue happy tongue. So traditional ports back in the day when and, and still now if you go into an old double if you go and buy if you go and buy a, a factory manufactured copy mm. you'll see the port is shaped it's quite narrow mm. it's a little bit higher in some cases and most especially on either side of the port the 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 edge to it is actually quite sharp and it's mm. narrow mm. now theoretically you are supposed to port a bit to allow space for the horse's tongue now there's no tongue with well not one that i've seen that's <laughs> for sure so instead of making space for the tongue it ends up pressing down into the tongue okay. those two edges now that's a simple thing so when i do my little demo and i put the horribly made palom bit on with for example that traditional and i do this the person will flinch they'll be like what did you just do to me? And then I'll take something that's better made. And there's, you know, as I say, in, in more modern so bits, that's the case yeah. because they've studied, they've looked at it and they've thought, okay, this needs to conform to the shape of the horse's tongue as much as we can to provide tongue relief and to prevent the top of that port, as an example, from hitting the roof of the mouth. Then when I put it on and do this, the person, no change in facial expression. And so, so the when when that's rotating, the port is not meant to touch the palate. No, it's not meant okay. to touch the palate. And you can actually see if you can see on my arm there that is roughly the width of a horse's tongue. Mm. You can see it conforms to it. Mm. And if you do this, you can go and trial this for yourself at home. You will feel mm. the difference. Yeah. And that's a simple thing. So for me, that that's. That's an important thing. And uh, another one, as in staying in the Palin family just for now, is straight bar metal palins, for example. 
that one exerts a tremendous amount of pressure on the horse's tongue because mm -hmm. there's You've nowhere for it to there go. Between the curb exactly. chain and the mouthpiece. And okay. it's sore. So, yeah. you know, th this is why we've moved away from okay. using things like that and going for these mm -hmm. things that mouthpiece-wise is more comfortable for the horse. And in my mind, if the mouth is a bit more comfortable, surely the horse is going to be a little bit more tolerant and more responsive to the added pressure. Mm, so, true, yeah. yeah, so if, if, if mm. I expect you to, to run five kilometers and I put a stone in your shoe <laughs> and I make sure the shoe doesn't fit, you're not going to no. willingly run mm. those five kilometers. Even if I actually was quite a talented runner. Exactly. Yeah. If I put the best shoes And now I'm you, not a talented <laughs> runner <laughs> and you're making my life harder. But if you're a bit more comfortable yeah. in your shoes, you'll at least leave, yeah. be a little bit more keen to do yeah. it. So that's... I had a coach once say to me, I, I said like, oh, I think I should try different bits and they... Were, were very annoyed with me and said, you must just learn to ride properly. And I said, okay, I'd love to do that overnight. But in the absence of that, perhaps we could try. Can, it's you know. an add-on. It's, it's, it's a marginal gain. It, so I it, say to people, uh, that's a good know. marginal gain. Yeah. I like to say it's an incremental improvement. Oh, that's lovely. And, yeah. and that's, that's yeah. what we're looking for. But if, if you get enough 1%, you get a whole 10%. Uh, exactly. Okay. If we can add. And anything that we can do mm. to add to the horse's comfort, I think it's our responsibility to do. Well, it's, it's so, you know, SAEF, um, Janine Turner, who was in here for the SAEF Judicial Council, said we're here, it was about the equine anti-doping talk, and she said we're the horse's voice, so we're not here to be jerks. We're here to to just remind everyone that, you know, we're not doing the sport for fame or fortune. We're doing it because originally there was the the child who loved horses. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, absolutely, you know, let's, let's make it as nice for the horses to be to, even more generous to us. I think just to, just to show as another illustration is, um, I haven't got to that one yet, is the tongue, okay, of the horse's mouth. Second to the roof of the mouth, which doesn't experience much pressure from any bit, which shouldn't in mm. this day and age, um, the tongue experiences significant pressure from most bits. Even bits designed to provide tongue relief, the very fact that it's sitting in the horse's mouth, resting on its tongue, means there's a degree I th of pressure. I think you used the, the um, and, and this was a bitting myth that we discussed. I thought I was being very nice putting a big fat bit in my horse's mouth. And you said, imagine running around with a gobstopper in, you know, and there's nowhere for the tongue to go. Exactly. It, it fills the mouth. So it does. It fills yeah. the mouth completely. And if you look at some pictures that are drawn of a horse's mouth, it sometimes creates the illusion that there's actually space in the horse's oh. mouth, like there's a gap between the horse's <laughs> tongue and the roof of its mouth. But there isn't. Yeah. Oh. Okay. And some horses, that's... They weren't that's, actually designed for a bit, the They how, were not. No. And some horses have got thinner tongues oh. and others have got very fat tongues mm. and they they not only fill the mouth they bulge over the bars you you did that lovely and i would urge um anyone at home with their horse to go and do it out of interest because it's something you don't think about it's just to stand and lift the corners of the lips exactly. away and i remember you showing us on on one of the horses that the tongue completely protruded out of exactly. the what's it called the um into, into yeah, the diaphragm, but between the between oh. the bars, yeah, yeah between yeah. the teeth, yeah. So the the so with this in mind, with the fact that one we know second to the roof of the oh. mouth, the the tongue is the most sensitive part of a horse's mouth, okay. And secondly, that it fills the mouth completely, and thirdly, that horses have got different shaped tongues. Some have got very long tongues, so they end up twisting in the horse's mouth. Very thick tongues, all sorts of things. So in Again, all the bits, 
They used to make the two sides of jointed bits, for example, straight. Mm. Okay, so then in your traditional single jointed bit, that famous nutcracker action, which it does have, was two straight lines. So the nutcracker was stronger. It's like snapping a pencil in Exactly. Oh. Whereas as soon as we now do things like this, you can see the mm. contour on that bit. Again, if I put it over my arm, the feel is just different. Softer. Yeah. So it's it's a small change. Mm. It's still a single jointed bit, mm. but it's just made with more comfort for the horse in mind. and Intelligent design. Exactly. Yeah. And, and having gotten to see a whole lot of horses and 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 put different bits in the horse's mouth that mm. horse same rider in that moment and to see sometimes those changes you can see the fact if the horse in my mind if a horse changes its behavior or looks a little bit more relaxed literally five minutes apart in the time it took us to change and then the same rider riding the mm. same environment does the same exercise and the horse looks a little bit calmer or a little bit more relaxed or a little mm. bit more willing, then to me, the horse is telling us, Thank this you. feels more comfortable. Mm. Yeah. And again, I'm speaking purely from the bit perspective. And um, and I think that's that's really important. That's how the horses give us feedback. And how they communicate. There's yeah. a, a equine behaviorist or, or natural horseman called uh, Bridget Hampton. And she says, it's funny how often we'll lean into the dialogue that our horse is being a jerk or it's being naughty. Yeah. And and a lot of what you're describing is I'm thinking the horses it's it's not being evasive it's communicating and saying like there's nowhere for my tongue to go there's yeah. there's pressure everywhere and it's something as relatively simple as as a kind of shaped bit of exactly the same design that's still a loose string single jointed snaffle can make a difference massive difference exactly and okay. if you know the the there's always more than one potential reason, but just looking at the mouth specifically and changing simple things like that, it can make Taking all... the stone out of the shoe. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Exactly right. So what's decided? So we've discussed so, so we discussed what of the horse can dictate. So like a thicker tongue, a lower palate, wider bars, exactly. narrower bars. Yes. What are the what are the defining factors looking at a bit that's going to make it more or less severe? We discussed the length of the okay, cheeks. Okay, so the, the whether or not it fits into as a as a general as a general category, whether it fits into a bit that's got leverage to it or doesn't have leverage to it. That's the okay? first deciding factor. Yeah, so that's that sort and of separates. I, I want to them. I want to preface this discussion by saying this is assuming, which is not a given always, that this bit is the right size for the horse. And I would like you to touch base on yeah, that. Yeah, that's well. that's another that's one. We'll, we'll, okay. yeah, we'll get to that. Let's let, we must yeah, forget those. Ones. Um, we'll talk a little bit with fitting with that. So so in terms of whether you've got your leverage action or not, that does make it stronger. Okay, because it increases the force that the yeah. bit exerts. Um, and then a few other factors come into play as well. So the the comfort and the shape of the mouthpiece, oh. as I've just explained, and let's. Let's address the, the question of the thickness of the mouthpiece. Mm. So, yes, the theory is, and it's true, that if you have pressure exerted over a broader surface area, that pressure is more distributed and therefore it is less severe, mm. which is true to a point, though, within the context of bitting. Oh. Because if we do end up having an overly thick bit in the horse's mouth, there isn't space for it and... Something else that's very important, often when bits get too thick and they're solid, 
they also get very heavy. I had I had one of the original um, double bridles that yes. came out from Germany and I saved money. It was so expensive. And um, I think you were the one again who told me to, I was having an issue with my open horse and you said, just go weigh the bridle. And it, I think it's those heavy. bits weighed. The, the combined weight of double bridles with some about, of the traditional ones yeah. was about eight to nine I kilograms. I didn't want to exaggerate, but I thought my double my, my double bridle weighed about seven kilos. The whole thing yeah. together, yeah. Mm. So that's one of the things that we've sort of started to realize as well. And it, <laughs> Let's tie an anvil on the head and ride it uphill. <laughs> that's a great... And, and again, the, this is just thinking practically. Mm. If I take that piece of metal, so I think heavy piece of metal and I hit you on your arm there okay where your bone is exposed it's going to hurt if I hit you on the bridge of your nose you're probably going to hit me back now for some horses for example that have got very narrow bars I think their experience is like it's as sensitive as the bridge of your nose and very susceptible to damage so if we go too thick which then becomes heavy too heavy it can't be comfortable so we've sort of distilled that down a little bit. Obviously, the other extreme of getting too thin can also be contraindicated because then it's focusing the pressure all in one point. But if we sort of go within the middle bracket, so the question then invariably is, what is the middle bracket? So I like to, to, to look at between 12, 14, and 16 millimeter bits. So just because that's usually the next question, Wait. where do you measure it? <laughs> So we measure, and in the, in the dressage rules, for example, oh. because dressage is obviously the strictest in terms of mm. governing bits, it's also described like that, the thickness of a bit is measured just inside the bit rings or inside the shank, for example. Okay. So if it was a single joint, you'd be looking at that diameter there. Okay. okay. So that's 12, 14, or 16 millimeters, okay. I think is, is a good range. This, for example, is 14. That's very average. 16, a little bit thicker. If we're looking for a little thicker, 12, a little bit thinner. And I don't generally go much outside okay. of that. So, okay. um, and yeah, and I think if, 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 we, if we start to put things like that together, we don't make it too heavy. That's the other thing. A lot of design changes in bits are focused on making things lighter. So, for example, um, Springer bits, they've changed mm -hmm. the material to about it's about five, six ago, if not longer, where they make, you'll see it written on the bits, they make it out of a new material now. Um, it's a composite material as well, but it's a lot lighter than mm. what their original bits were because they've just come to realize that I think mm. that ups the, the, the comfort level for a horse. Um, plastic bits can, or synthetic bits can also be lighter. Um, Bomber makes bits out of titanium now which is a very light material and durable material. Mm. So the, the bottom line Lots, is... It's ironic when a lot of horse riders actually have titanium plates in themselves. <laughs> you know, do. it's the, the full, you it's the full circle of a metal. It's great. <laughs> it is. Yeah. So, so basically, within, within trying to, to get this as comfortable as possible for the mm. horse and still meet the requirements that we may need in terms of control or whatever for the rider, these are some things we can create awareness with. Be conscious of what is it overly heavy? Is mm. it too thick? Is it shaped to mm. contour to to suit Speak the horse? Speak about the the joints. So like okay. like you know the first time I saw I mean, this was years ago the first time I saw a double jointed bit I was ready to call the SPCA. 
Okay. <laughs> so generally speaking, I'm going to use this mouthpiece as an example. We, we refer to single or double jointed bits. So single jointed is your, what most people would refer to as a snaffle, and these are double jointed bits. Now, first of all, you get a whole lot of different kinds of links. In the middle. Okay, in okay. the middle. So probably the most common one would be the elliptical link. But even that in modern bit designs, they've gone to a lot of trouble to shape that link. I see, I see now, um, well, now, like I know it hasn't been that, that recent, but that the, the shaped link is just on more and more bridles. Yeah, and you know, it's, and instead it's, of the it's made a difference, yeah. exactly. So some of the copies of those elliptical, that elliptical is this big walnut looking thing. <laughs> and that's just not comfortable on oh. a horse's tongue. Whereas in others, it's set at a bit of an angle, it's contoured, it's mm. shaped. So again, it's a mm. simple thing, but if we, if we choose that over the poorer made version, we are upping the comfort for the horse. We're still using a double-jointed bit, but it's a more comfortable mm. version. Now, generally speaking, with double-jointed bits, it's got a bit of a, I call it a wraparound effect over um, the horse's tongue and bars. Whereas when you've got a single-jointed bit, you've got the more nutcracker effect, which then compresses the tongue and focuses some of its attention on the bars. Okay. okay? Or, depending on the horse's head position, the corners of the mouth. Okay. Okay. So as a as a general rule, it's accepted these days that double jointed bits are the friendlier option. Okay. And I would support that. I think it, it gives it gives a little bit of a better profile and it shares the pressure. I think anything that doesn't focus the pressure on one thing in particular is invariably the better choice. Okay. So um and 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 well shaped. Mm. And also the the joins of how the how all the links are joined together. Yes. Yeah. So in, again, in our in our um, factory manufactured coffee bits, these links there are Enormous. very big, yeah. and that can end up hitting the roof of your horse's mouth. Whereas if it's made like this and shaped more correctly, it mm. makes a significant difference. So you know those are things I think that we can mm. that we can change and mm. it does add to the overall color. Is that a is that a rolling nugget yeah. that's in the middle there? Okay. So you get that's one of the variations you get. So those are just like a blanket no for dressage riders. I don't actually this oh, the rotor in the yeah. middle of a of a of a elliptical mm. is dressage legal, that's but amazing. not multiple rollers. So okay. that you get some that have got the link is a different design okay. and it's got rollers in it so that the horse has got something to play with. So that's when we start to get to the little bit more technical side of selecting a bit for a particular horse is, is what is its preference and mm. do we want more movement, do we want less movement, do we mm. want more stability, do we want less stability. Mm. And that starts to get, so so when we start to Q&A the rider or, you know, mm. what is your feel, Are, is it a horse that we would refer to as being a bit heavy in your, a bit dead in your hand mm. or um, tends to overbend and, and go avoid behind and avoid the contact. And then, you know, we've, we've now got quite a few options that we can, we can sort of start to lend ourselves towards, mm. okay, for that, we'll generally look at this family of bits okay. or for, um, you know, the horse that tends to be heavier, we'll look at that family of bits. And then I see you have an, oh, that's my favorite bits in the whole wide world that Dawn has in her hand there. That's just my, my go-to. Um, it's called the barrel roller. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I love the, I love that it's kind of simultaneously stable and supple in the mouth. You exactly. Know? I think that's really. So I, I put this in the family yeah. of, um, I call it, and this is, this is 
putting according to Dawn. <laughs> um, don't, don't, don't come on. Don't come for her. I, uh, I, I put it in the family of um, like molded mullins and nath type bits because it's it profiles like that to a point. Okay, it doesn't fold any further like a jointed bit folds completely. Okay, this goes to there. So that gives a little bit of play and movement over the tongue, but it's got this action. Okay, and that's very beneficial. So it's it's but it is, it's exactly it's a it's a stable but not rigid feel in the horse's mouth. And for horses, for example, it's not set in stone, but who can tend to be a little bit behind and 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 want to back off the contact, this can be a very good choice, yeah, in mm. terms of getting the horse to to feel that they can go a little bit more into it. I was looking at it actually from a point of view of egg uh, of a fixed cheek versus a loose ring. Okay, so also a good question. Um, so as a general rule, mm. when we've got loose ring bits, when you put pressure on the rein, the the mouthpiece slides to some extent on the ring until it catches and when it catches a little bit of leverage baby leverage not like on those bits um is applied to the mouthpiece so there's the the sort of universal way of describing that is to say there's a little bit more play in the mouth so the way the horse feels that or the way we think they do is that the, the, when you start to put pressure, the horse has got an opportunity to respond a little bit to, to the changing feel in its mouth before it becomes a little bit more set and it feels the full mm. impact of the rain. Does okay. that make some yeah. sense? So there's that slide, there's mm. that bit of play. Whereas with a fixed cheek in a snaffle like that, the, the on-off switch, especially the on switch, is a little bit more Direct. immediate. Okay. Yeah. So as soon as you put pressure mm. on the rain, the horse is going to feel it. And the release of pressure, well, it depends on the mouthpiece, can be a little bit more delayed or a little bit more immediate. Mm. But here's the thing. So just having said what I've said, when we say this is maybe a bit more immediate, this offers a bit more play, then there can be a tendency to think this is stronger and this is mm. more forgiving. And I'm going to say, and this is based on observation and, and really having the privilege of being able to watch many different horses respond oh. to multiple bits, is, and as I said, they are the best teachers, is I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that either, either is stronger. They're the same mm. they're in terms of strength. It's which one the horse prefers. So some horses... Yeah. Thank no. you for that great variable. Here's all the information. Your horse might hate it. Good luck. Exactly. Yeah. Some horses like the stability. Okay. Some horses like the fact that when you go into something fixed, it doesn't slide through their mouth. I'm so upset that you haven't got like a textbook answer. No, the, I, I, the, I, I do a multiple choice. No. D. You are. You no, know, more uh, so than ever before. Uh, I, I, I think we have to keep it simple, yeah. and we have to avoid. I'm actually glad you said that. My, my way of saying it is we have to avoid absolutes when it comes to bitting. Mm. So to horses. Yeah, exactly. There have been so exactly. many times that exactly. I have put my, I have absolutely pinned myself to something and said I would never do this. And no. then there's a horse that you go, oh, okay. Exactly. You know. So, you know, and, and, and I, I quite enjoy getting proved wrong every so often. I think it says if you aren't a humble person, your horse will make you one. They definitely yeah. will once a week and twice on Sundays. <laughs> And you'll, you'll, I'll think this is, this is what I think it's going to go well in. And then it doesn't. 
and then you try something else and I think, okay, well, I'll think outside of the box mm -hmm. or, and I, and I love that. I love it when coaches give input in this as well, because I think, again, the more holistic it mm -hmm. is, the better. And they might say, have you tried that? And I think, okay, well, I'm not sure, but I'll, I'll give you a, let's see. And mm -hmm. then it works. And I think if, if the horse's response, the best bit for the horse is the one it goes the best in. Mm. So our responsibility is to understand basically in terms of strength, where do we fit on that scale? Mm. Secondly, to pay some basic attention to, to have we chosen a mouthpiece that fits as best it can, that features some of those comfort features like legal, the profile. Legal for your discipline. Is it legal for okay. your discipline? Then, mm. then we've given this due attention. Yeah. And then, you know, I think we, we, we are meeting the horse halfway. I think the, the other very hard thing about all of this is you're saying, you know, the one's got a more direct, um, can have a more direct response. Depends the hands that are holding anything, uh, you know. Absolutely. So that's, and absolutely. that's, um, you know, so, so it's a tricky thing because you could go and fit for a horse and see one person ride a horse. But if, you know, the next person Absolutely. comes to sit on the horse and they've got a slightly different whatever, you know. Definitely. Um, I'm taking a gap to remind everyone that Dawn is available for um, questions and answers. We do have a question for you, Dawn, from Raleen Blumel, who's showing Queen and a show jumper. She says she has a horse with a gentlest mouth. However, a rubber sees you grabbing and holding on for dear life. A single joint makes him snatch. Uh, um, it says Volky, which I'm assuming is a typo. Mm -hmm. Gives you a bit of control and bit with rings like a Portuguese is too strong. He has a small mouth, but it's wide. Is it naughtiness or schooling when it comes to snatching? Sure. <laughs> really, thank you for all of that information. <laughs> that's, that's a tricky yeah. question to answer, but I appreciate the question because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer it how I would normally. So first of all, it's, it's very difficult to say that... Um, it's a singular thing, mm. okay? So there's multiple things that could be... Does your horse have, have four legs? To that behavior. Then I'm also going to say, so So often I hear from people when they, when they say, I've tried different bits and so forth, we tend to generalize and say um, ring bits, or the, these are often referred, referred to as Portuguese and so forth, or I've tried the snaffle, or I've tried that. And I try to distill it a little bit because there's a wide variety exactly of and okay. and the question that that we try to answer when you when you do a little bit more focused bit fitting is what part of it is the horse resisting is it the mouthpiece or is it the the action of the cheek piece so my goal as i said the first thing is to try and figure out what mouthpiece best suits this horse okay and then the cheek piece is more a little bit about giving the rider the control that they're looking for or trying to, you know, influence the, the, the basic posture and so forth. So um, to attempt to answer that question, when, when we've tried different things, like, for example, if we were to try two different snaffles in a horse's mouth or try two different mouthpieces, but the one mouthpiece is on an egg butt, and the other mouthpiece is on a two and a half ring. You're not comparing apples I, and apples. Exactly. Okay. And that that's where yeah. our problem sometimes yeah. comes in. So that's those are often because those are the two bits I had in my top. Exactly. So I'm, giving, exactly. I'm giving the rider two horrible options. So okay. you know, in order to be able to, to give a more accurate answer to, to mm. a question like that is 
that's that's what I need to start to see. And and then I so I'll invariably ask, can I see, you know, what you've used, um, or see pictures of what you've used, and then I can see for myself. Okay, this was perhaps again as an example, maybe the the the. The, the ring bit, the two and a half ring or whatever, or the Portuguese that they were using had a single jointed mouthpiece. And in this particular design, in ring bits, we don't like single jointed mouthpieces. And the reason is rotate, so. it, it gets to there, then it rotates and the single joint is very likely to run along the roof of the horse's mouth. And they've actually done some some research studies where they've shown that this can happen. That's amazing. So I will, for example, not use a single jointed mouthpiece on a ring bit. Okay. Okay. As a first choice, preferably not even as a last choice. <laughs> um, so in order to, to be able to say how much the bit is contributing, those are the sort of okay. things we need to distill to some extent. And that's where, that's where this part, that's where it gets interesting. Um, one of the other things, um, just in discussing, we've discussed um, what decides a bit softness or severity, but I am interested about the the, the, the material that is used in bomber bits, um, but also the size, how the size can make a difference. If you've got a bit that's, and we always think better too wide than too narrow, obviously, but um, okay, it brings a different list of problems. Yeah, that's that's a very good... As list. someone who's pulled a bit, you know, I, I had a memorable moment at a client's yard showing a horse to someone, and the, the bit actually, I had a cheek piece in the horse's mouth, and the bit was sitting here, and I was smiling as it ran away with me back to the stables, <laughs> so... So, that's, this is a very good question, and I'm, I'm going to answer it in two parts. So, first of all, the width of a bit, okay, yeah. and what's the right one for your horse? So first of all, because that's also usually the first question, is how do you measure it again? Mm. So you measure it from inside the bit ring to inside the bit ring. That's how when, when, a, when the factory gives the measurement of a bit, that's how it's measured. All right, now, traditionally, we used to refer to bits in inches, okay? A lot of riders still do it, but bits are no longer manufactured in, in inches. No, none of the major bits broken away from colonialism. We have. Yeah. Well, yes. Well, Americanism <laughs> yeah. they still refer oh, to in, yeah. in, in, in inches. But um, which is actually a good thing, and I'll tell you why, for two reasons. One is because if we made bits in let's go for the five and five and a half inch, my analogy is that would be like it's a size six and eight shoe. And if you're a size seven, we're terribly sorry, but either go for too small or too big, but that's all we can do. So now bits are made in centimeter, in half centimeter increments. So you can get as small that's as great. a nine centimeter bit, nine and a half, 10, 11, and so it goes up. So okay. nine centimeter bit for a great day. That's the thin, the smallest okay. one ever was for a miniature pony. Okay. So and they're evil, so they needed it. They, definitely. <laughs> so first of all, so that's so that's how they made now in half centimeter increments. So we can be that's very great. specific in the fit. Yeah. So now, what is this specific fit? Yeah. So because that's the other thing I get a lot of. I, if I'm asked about bits, um, they'll I invariably get said my horse is a five and a half inch. Which is essentially also like saying that everybody in the world has a size six shoe. That's it. Which they don't. Okay, horses can vary a lot in the width of their mouths. So we can actually measure that now. And um, for example, you can get, I've had ponies that I've measured that had wider mouths than 17 hand warm bloods. So just because your horse is 
physically tall doesn't, doesn't mean, mean it's got a big okay. mouth. So there is so much variation there. So as a as a as a ballpoint, most horses range from in and around about 12 and a half to about 14 and a half centimeters. That's a very ballpark, but here's where it gets interesting. If you're fitting your horse in a loose ring bit, any kind of loose ring bit, okay, where the ring slides through the mouthpiece, we need to give clearance of that hole in the mouthpiece, okay, because okay. we don't want it to pinch. The so lip, the corners of the lips. Exactly. Okay. So we would literally want, I don't know if that can be seen, but mm. we'd literally want the corners of the lips to be just off that okay. opening so that we don't get pinching. All right. I suppose both like you said, you're really fleshy lipped horses. You would have to, yes. have to really um, think about giving them some extra space. But never no. more than, than, that, the, than the, the, okay. the, the diameter of that little gap. Okay. Okay. Because then we end up with too much of the bit sticking out. Okay. All right. On both sides, obviously. We want clearance on both sides. So if I measured your horse at a 12 centimeter mouth, for example, I would bit that horse in a loose ring bit in a 13 centimeter wide bit. Mm -hmm. That's to give basically half centimeter on either side to give clearance of those rings. Okay, but if sense. it was an egg bit, therefore? Ah. If it was an egg bite, we actually want the bit to sit flush with the horse's cheeks. Okay. So with the corners of the lips. So I would put the same horse in an egg butt in at least half a centimeter, even a centimeter smaller. smaller. So you're not going to have, so it's, it's, that, it's, it's, not, it's not a universal no. size. And if we were to put that same horse, so this is a little bit of probably of interest to dressage riders when it comes to your double bridle and, and curb and, and, the, and exactly and the curb and the bradoon. If we have a bit that has a fixed mouthpiece and fixed cheek pieces, it would even be smaller. Okay. So then if I measured the horse at 12 centimeters, it could even go in a 12 centimeter bit okay. or 125, 12 and a half at most. Mm. Because when you put a jointed bit in a horse's mouth, as soon as it's in, it changes its shape like oh, that. Oh, that's interesting. And that makes okay. it slightly narrower. So the, the exact same horse can have different bits and they can differ by as much as a centimeter and a half. Even mm. I've had cases of two centimeter difference mm. in the bit, depending on which bit I'm That's fitting. really interesting. So an event horse, for example, could have three different sized exactly. bits for, exactly. for its day-to-day. -day. Exactly. That's amazing. So that's, that's quite okay. an important thing to just you know, be a little bit aware of is that it's, it's, and it is, it is an important thing because if the bit is too narrow for the horse, you obviously are going to get pinching. And if the bit is too wide, I think that's even a bigger problem in some ways because you get a lot of pull through, especially in loose ring bits, the bit slides right out of the horse's mouth. And then you end up with the links and so forth, not sitting where they're supposed to. Because they sit, can sit over the jaw. Yeah, okay. and over the bars. And we don't want okay. that. So um, size of bits, and, and that's that's another example oh. of, of the things with, which I really encourage, is we now have this available to us. We can be that particular in the fit of the bit, oh. in the size of it. So, you know, that's a simple box that we can tick.
Mm. And make sure that it is. It, I know, it's I know that you. You said you were lucky to have you in studio today because you're on a cross-country bitting yes, tour next going week down to the Western Cape. So I mean, these these not only is mouth profiling available around the country, but if pe- and if people if people did want to measure their own horse, they could order a bit and get it couriered to them. Yeah, they could get. Yeah, they can. And yeah. I mean, there, there are ways of, of measuring. You can, you can in a very, very simple version of it, you can take a dial rod or a chopstick. Okay. You can put two pieces of paper on either side, or two pieces of cardboard, put that in your horse's mouth, press the cardboard up against the corners of the horse's lips, and then measure the distance between it. That would at least give a, a ballpark idea. Okay. But it's, it's really just more about, at this stage, if somebody takes a picture of their horse from the front, you can get a, you know, I mean, if you're a little bit if more used to looking at it, yeah, you can give some sort of an idea. But it's 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 really about creating a little bit of awareness in people's minds that um, that you know there there can be differences in terms of the size requirements depending on mm. on what but you are um, using. Raleen says, how do we do focused bit fitting with Dawn? You can contact Dawn. Yes. Um, do you want to give an email address or? Um, yeah, I can give my email. It's it's probitting at gmail.com. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, and then I've got a question here from someone saying, what is the best bit to start on a young or new oh, horse? A new horse. That's a nice question. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm also going to give a bit of a general answer. But for the most part, I like to go for either a double jointed bit a well-conformed double jointed bit so like a, a well-shaped elliptical or i'm a fan this is one of my the barrel roller mm. is one of my options for starting a young horse and obviously your your synthetic bits like a nath or a molded mullen is also an option for starting mm. a young horse that sort of family like you say a molded mullen because i mean i remember in the old days we used to go buy those big fat uh, rubber snaffles very different now and now it's that beautiful tapering yeah, in the middle to make the space for the time. Shaped. Yeah. So exactly. Okay. And and not too thick. Mm. And it offers a degree of flexibility. Mm. So um and whether I would go loose ring or fixed cheek, <clears throat> sorry, as a starting point, would depend a little bit. I know it's difficult to tell with young horses when you first start, but I always ask, or I, I try to get a bit of a feel from the rider, even if you've just done a basic starting work with the horse does the horse lend itself a little bit more towards being a little bit more feeling a little bit more rigid in your hand then i tend to go more for jointed a little bit more play or a loose ring type option or does the horse tend to show a tendency to to go behind and and be quite light then i'll rather go for the the synthetic bit flexible encourage the horse to take the contact or the barrel roller with an egg butt so we give it some stability and, right. and and one other point on that, I also, when I put the bit in the horse's mouth, especially a young horse that hasn't had it before, watch what the horse does. And it's fascinating because some horses you'll put in a join and they'll play and they'll play and they'll play and they'll play. You take it out and you put in a barrel, for example, and the horse goes, settles. It, mm. it's, it, it rolls its tongue. It's like swallowing your own saliva. It feels comforting when you're nervous, like I was doing before we started this <laughs> podcast. And, um, and then you just went into lecture mode. And uh, then, 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 oh. then it's, it's, it, that's a good sign. Oh. And then I'll go, well, that, it seems to be that what it feels more comfortable in. So that's, mm. that's when I go for, 
for keep it simple. So that's the answer is I either go in those two families and which one I choose, whether I go for the more sort of um, fixed mouthpiece without mm. a join would be horses more showing a tendency to being too light mm. and jointed for those that are showing the tendency to be a little bit, okay, a little bit heavy. Um, we, we, um, there's a couple of other things that we still want to want to touch base on. Um, my, my, favorite personal thing is common bitting bits yes. because I feel like so we've touched on the fact that thicker is is not always better it's not always kinder wider is not always better or kinder um single jointed is not always nicer what are what are some of the other things that you think people need to be aware of with that I think two things would be quite nice to answer in mm. that one so the and they relate to each other so another thing that that is I think a little bit misunderstood sometimes is the concept of pole pressure, mm. okay, and how much of it... And we've actually got a question about uh, Philip Boucher yes, in the waiting in the comments. I'm, I'm getting there. Rhea, she is about to answer your... Yes, she is. Okay, so so it's, let's look at that a little bit. So um, the the first of all, pole pressure is exerted by the bit when the bit rotates to some extent... Towards the nose. Towards yeah. the nose, yeah, to some extent... Mm and pulls down on the cheek piece of the bridle okay. and the cheek piece is attached to the pole piece so it's the pressure of the cheek piece on the pole piece that puts pressure on a horse's pole okay mm. that is yes. important so it's not the metal of the bit in the horse's mouth it's leather on the horse's pole that's it is is the source of how that pressure is transferred Okay. So first of all, and it was actually, I think it was Neil Schuler that did these tests, that did some research on it. They, they put a, a strain gauge to try and test wow, the degree of pole pressure. And the, the findings were really quite interesting. Okay. So first of all, the, the degree of pole pressure is not as much as what we thought it was. Okay. okay? Um, so they found that, that on average, the degree of pole pressure exerted by bits that exert pole pressure, and I'm going to answer that question in a minute, um, is about 20% of the tension on the rein. Okay. Okay, so the force put on the rein. Now, obviously, if somebody's pulling hard on the rein, that 20% is more, so then there will be more pole pressure. So, But it, it's not quite to the extent that I think we, we initially thought it was. Okay? Having said that, there is a degree of pole pressure pretty much whenever you put the bridle on because the bit hangs on the bridle, okay, which is why the, the recently designed, when I say recent, it's again, it's over the last the five er years. Yeah, and the anatomical bridles and the pole pieces mm -hmm. that are designed, which I'm very much in favor of. Is that a good, it's not a yeah, it's not it, a woo-woo no, thing? No, it, 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 okay. it, it takes the pressure from, from, it doesn't press on the horse's ear cartilage and it does offer a degree of Pole relief. And I, see, then, I see a few of them are also much broader to go with yeah, the thickness. To, yeah, to spread the pressure mm. a little bit. I don't like it when the padding is too thick because I think the horses get Compress hot. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. But um, but yeah, the the principle of of distributing that pressure and allowing for that that pretension they call it that just from the bit hanging on the on the on the bridle on the cheek piece transferring to the pole um, is is has been sort of met by some of these, let's call them anatomical bridles. Now, as regards to which of the bits put the most pole pressure, so remember that range is, is about 20 to 30% of the tension on the rein. So the upper end of that are 
ring gags, sure. okay? They do put quite a bit of okay. pole pressure on because when it does that, when it rotates mm. through, this is pulling down. Mm. So and any gag bit, ring gag bits or rope gag bits, which is a, oh, a pulley okay, leverage, yes. it puts pressure downward on the pole and upward on the corners of the mouth. You're okay. compressing the horse's exactly. head, basically. Now, the dominant force there yeah. is the up on the corners of the mouth because metal on tissue in the mouth is always going to be a stronger force okay. and a, a greater discomfort for the horse <clears throat> than what leather on its pole outside okay. of its mouth, if that makes sense. Mm. But still, there is some degree of force. So gag bits, ring bits do exert pole pressure on a horse on, on the pole. Talon bits do to some extent as well, especially if you've got a... I can see there's actually a lot less yeah, play there than not on as the ring. Much. If you, the curb chain brings some pole pressure in as well. Can you please flatten that curb chain? It's really upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a good thing to do. You must roll Always out your curb, your curb chain. chains yes. until they're flat. Okay, so... When you use a curb chain on a on a pallum, it does also add to the pole pressure. But remember that pole pressure is still only a percentage okay. of the pressure that's applied to the rein. And things like the filibuche. Ah, okay. So that's just, a, also called a hanging cheek. Yes. Mm. Just before we get to that one, loose ring bits also exert a degree oh. of pole pressure. Yeah, they're actually found in these tests. So the only bit that doesn't exert pole pressure is what we refer to as a drop cheek or a hanging cheek or a fillet position. Oh. It actually provides negative pole pressure. It's the only one that registered negative pole pressure. That's amazing. Yes, it is amazing. So when it turns, because a hanging cheek has got, now that's the only one I didn't bring yes. as a, as a, as a Google demo. It. Don't be lazy. You can go and Google it. But a hanging cheek has a little projection to mm. and an eye to which your cheek piece is mm. attached and then a, a ring for attaching the rein to. It doesn't have anything, any shank below the mouthpiece. So it's the shank below the mouthpiece combined with the mouth that creates your fixed leverage. So the hanging cheek, it, it does, it is regarded to be on my scale. We'd put it at about a four um, in terms of strength. It is a little bit stronger, a little bit different in its action, mm. in how it's suspended in the horse's mouth, put it that way. But... When it turns like that, it actually, and if you go and look now, and any of anybody who's got a hanging cheek should go and do, when you go and look, if you put pressure on the rein tomorrow, when have a look at the cheek pieces of the bridle, and they're actually going to bulge just slightly when you put pressure. Look, if you pull really hard and the bit turns very yeah. far in the horse's mouth, then that changes. But with, mm. call it regular rein pressure, you'll actually see the cheek pieces will bulge slightly and those bulging cheek pieces actually provide relief. pole relief. It's the only one that registered negative pole pressure. Just talking about well-made bits and bulging cheek pieces, um, I just love the top of the pelum that is angled outward. Ah, good, good observation as well. So that's another. Mm. These are all the little boxes, the little things that we can do. Mm. So again, I don't know how many of you have stood in front of your horse, but you should. They don't have square heads. Okay, they have rectangular shaped heads. And again, if you buy the older versions and the, the routine manufactured bits, the shanks and the cheek pieces are straight above. They don't angle Is out this like the camera that. she should aim the bits at? Let's have so, a look. Yeah. So I can show it yeah. like that. 
And this is actually a really important point, so I'm glad you, you raised it. If that is not angled out, what ends up happening is invariably the top of this ends up pushing the horse's lip into its premolar, okay. Okay, into its first tooth. And that's uncomfortable. And if you've got warm bloods tend to be more so, but even Arabs that have got fine muzzles and then they, they yeah, have really very broadened, triangular heads, Arabs. That is uncomfortable for the horse. Yeah. So this is a simple design change, but it makes a big Massive difference. difference. Um, we do have another question for you. Um, before we get to that question, there are a couple of things that influence bits, and I don't want to go into this because, of course, everything influences a bit, including the plastic packets on the side of the arena. But um, <laughs> it's, it's, there was uh, what's SA Dressage Champs at the moment at Fourways Riding Centre for anyone who's in Gauteng and wants to watch. But there was a comment that said, um, today my impulsion came from the flapping flag that was down by <laughs> yeah, Thank exactly. you. Um, things that also influence bits that I think, if you can just brush on how people should be aware of them, um, martingales and nosebands, I think, are the oh, two that, yes. that spring to mind most. Okay. And I remember you saying to someone, why are you using a flash noseband? And they said it came with the bridle. <laughs> yeah. So. Okay. Um, so let, let's let's start with the nosebands. So um, there's actually been quite a lot of research done on nosebands. And probably the first and most important thing to say is we do not want to use them too tight, but we know that. And there's been a lot of attention given to that because we don't want to clamp the horse's mouth shut. So from 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 a from a bit perspective. I like to say we need to we need to answer the question of before we tighten the noseband and when I say tighten the noseband I'm never referring to tightening it too tight Doing I'm it just up. yeah making it mm. sit that it doesn't that it sits mm. um, we need to make sure that the bit fits correctly first in other words the right size and adjusted at the correct height in the horse's mouth oh that's okay another, yeah. that's another one we must mm. we must come back to and um you know, then I think if we if we use the nose band, and these days there are some nose bands, they also call them anatomical nose bands. There's some variations in the design. The nose band can offer a degree, especially ones that have got like, let's call it a the generic flash strap underneath it, like a flash nose band. But there've been some de design modifications in that that actually sit quite well. And they're designed to, to sit further behind the facial crest, the side straps of the nose band. And um, they, they, they. There's a nerve right yeah, there, right? There That's, is okay. multiple, mm. and um, it ends up stabilizing the bit a little bit in the horse's okay. mouth. And if the bit fits correctly and it's a comfortable uh, mouthpiece, and some horses can then do quite well when there's, I would say, a little bit of the added stability of the nose band. But what I'm not ever too keen on, and I discourage, for example, with a flash nose band, is if the flash strap that goes under the bit is pulled too tight and the top strap, the cavison part of it, is too loose because then what it does is it pulls it down and that part of the noseband ends up sitting on the horse's nasal cartilage, okay? Yeah. And that can cause the horse, that's more sensitive and then it starts to block the airways as well and that's it, it being used incorrectly. And out of interest's sake, They've also done some tests now on nosebands and they found if the noseband sits too low and ends up shifting down on the horse's nose, remember your noseband also goes over the pole oh, piece of your bridle. It can also put pole pressure on your horse. <laughs> so again, yeah. it, it, it's, it's a bit of a generic answer, but a better quality noseband fitted yeah. correctly, 
okay. can offer some stability and some horses can can respond quite well to that. Okay. But that that would be my I'm not I'm not a fan of, of the nose band, the old type of, of drop nose band that mm. sits too low down on the horse's mm. nose. Yeah, I, I think we've got we've got better, better alternatives now. Mm. Um, but that's you know that's mm. that's just an opinion. And I think it's it's something just to note. It's always and I, I'm I'm sure you're up to date with it. But I know that every time I look at a dressage rule, personally, there's some there's been a change. Yes. Um, everyone must check with their discipline associations what's yes, legal what's and what's legal. not. Yes. Um, and the onus is always um, as we discussed, we were discussing with people about getting your vet to inject things. The onus is always on the rider to make yeah. sure that they're 100% compliant. Absolutely. Um, and martingales? Okay, so you're, you're, I'm going to only really mention the running martingale mm. because that's your the most, most commonly common, yeah. used one. So the, the thing with the running martingale, which is actually call it quite useful, is its action only comes into play when a horse lifts its head past a certain point, lifts its head and pushes its nose out. And how mm. it works is those two straps of the running martingale that are on your reins, then they will exert downward pressure on the reins. And that downward pressure on the reins pulls the bit down in the horse's mouth. So if a horse has got its head up and its nose out, it transfers the pressure of the bit predominantly to the corners of its lips. Now, let's say it's a horse that's got a little bit of a fleshier lip and a little bit more muscular, and it's got a bit desensitized there. It can tolerate that pressure quite easily. So it's realized, the horse has realized, <laughs> that by doing this, and they learn by association, we know that, I change the feel of the bit. I change the pressure point. So they, uh, there's a lot of other reasons, but I'm yeah. saying from the bit perspective, it might be learning to do that. So it takes the pressure off its tongue and its bars, which are more sensitive, and it puts it on the corner of the lip. Now, if you've got a horse that does that and you've got a, a running martingale that's also been correctly fitted, when it gets to a certain point, it pulls down on the reins, and that then puts the bit pressure, transfers the back bit pressure the back onto the tongue and the bars. And invariably, tongue and bar pressure tells the horse, lower your head to find relief from mm. that pressure. And mm. as soon as the horse does, the martingale releases its pull mm. on the rein, and that's the release of pressure. I, I heard at, um, at SHMC today, someone said, you know, it's great that you can ride a dressage test with a knife between your teeth, but ultimately you want the work at home to avoid you needing to do that. Exactly. So, but I think obviously in a competitive environment or on an outride when there's a scary plastic packet, that's yeah. a very useful tool to yeah, have. Yeah, it is a useful tool because the, yeah. the, the thing with, with something like a running martingale as an example, if the horse is generally where we would like it to be in terms of its posture, um, in a basic frame, mm. it does nothing. Mm. It only comes into action. That downward mm. pull really when the horse mm. lifts its head to... Virtue becomes uh, its own yeah, reward. To, to, yeah. uh, to a certain point. Um, last question from Bernice who says, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us, which I would agree with. But um, she says briefly, what about round rearing bits? What else can they be used for? For rearing, Bernice? No, I'm joking. Round rearing Round, bits. I assume the anti-rearing, like the a chipney bits. I, I think so. Yeah. Well, if, if that's the one that's being referred to, that's really only designed. Mm. It's it's actually only, it's not a bit, it's mm. not intended to be used for riding. Um, it's, that's 
stallion handling bit. See, there's also for the uh, for the race the race horses, but that's have, that's a different thing. It's attached to the snaffle. Yeah, though, it's attached yeah. to the snaffle, and that ring is actually only designed to stop the bit pulling through the horse's mm. mouth on racing bits. Okay. It's quite different. Okay. So yeah. Um, Dawn, is there anything else you want to touch base on? Um, I think we've we've kind of covered all of it. Some of it in a funny order. Yeah, we went back to France and then we got excited. And then, yeah. this is why I can't um, I can't date any wild way. Rather, I get too excited talking about bits. I mean, who's going to do that with you? You know. Um, no, I think we've uh, we've covered the we've covered quite a lot. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I think I think the, the the summary would just be ah, oh, there is one other thing I did want to yeah. say. I you want to check your your lecturers? There, <laughs> yeah, I have to. We <laughs> I spoke about adjusted the. Yes, that's another the frequent well. question yeah. I get asked. So I'm going to give yeah. you <clears throat> a little bit of a, a very useful tip here. So the famous wrinkling question. Yes. Okay, how many wrinkles? So at the corners of the horse's at mouth. At the corners okay. of the horse's yeah. mouth. Yeah. So now, unfortunately. Um, some horses, for example, that have got very fleshy lips and deep grooves in their lips, their lips look wrinkled really easily. Okay, I say a little bit like my skin when you get a little bit older. So um, it's it's not bulletproof, okay, in terms of we want one wrinkle. So what what is or one and a half wrinkles. But as I said, that's, that can be quite a difficult thing to gauge. So what I also always encourage people I to do I only have half wrinkles. <laughs> no, neither do I. So is, is when you put the bit in the horse's mouth, split your horse's lips and look where the bit is sitting. And if your horse has got canine teeth, that makes it easier. But even if it don't, doesn't, when you split the lips, you'll get a very good perspective of whether or not it looks like that bit is sitting too low down in the horse's mouth. Because then it would hit the back of the... Yeah, and it's it's like oh. my analogy, it's like having your glasses at the end of your nose. You'll keep wanting... And horses do that. They suck they, it They up. start to okay. play with it and what because it's just not where it's supposed so to be. so they can also get their tongue over the bit more easily. Then. Yes. Okay. So I encourage... I, I do go for fitting it that... I see the wrinkle or the crease in the corners of the lips, yeah. but I always look as well. And if the horse has got canine so that you can develop a frame of reference, it must be clear of the canines, at okay. least about a finger's width, about a centimeter, at least clear of the canines. Okay. Okay. Because otherwise some horses have got unerupted canine teeth. Okay. Maize and geldings. And if your bit ends up sitting too low, Okay. It can end up putting pressure on that tissue that's over that unerupted canine. So very important besides looking just the crease in the corners of your horse's lip, split the lips and have a look at where it looks like it's sitting. And you'll think, hmm, I'm not sure that looks okay. a little low. Then possibly go a little wider, a, a little higher. And if it ends up then that your horse has got smiley face, if you do go one hole higher, it probably means your bit is too wide. Okay, and then you've had to okay. adjust it too high to okay. get it to sit correctly in the mouth. I'm I'm loving this because Corin Jordan, who was one of uh, my my peers at uh, the university course, said, um, "Don't forget to explain where the bit should sit in the horse's mouth." She's obviously watching with rapt attention. And a last question from Maria in general: Why would a horse constantly open its mouth during riding? And I think this might, to a degree, obviously, um, Maria, assuming that none of the other factors that we discussed at the beginning are coming into play. I was going to say to you, how many, how many cases of horses being pure jerks 
versus horses giving legitimate feedback on an uncomfortable bit, a bit that's too low, too high, too wide. Like, do you often find you you go to fit a bit and besides the riding element, you can pretty quickly give a horse quite a lot more comfort just by fitting something yeah, more correctly? Yeah, I think um, that's a good question. I would probably say... I would probably say in about 30 to 35% of the cases, the bit is the primary problem. That's amazing. And I would say in the others, it's, 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 it's one of the links. Yeah, it's a contributing problem. So, and like, for example, the other thing, and, and let's relate it to the direct, to the question asked about opening the mouth. Sometimes the problem can be initially when the horse was bitted. It was bitted in something that maybe, like, for example, a single jointed bit on a ring on a, on a ring bit, on a Portuguese or a, a three ring or something that did put pressure on the roof of the horse's mouth. So the horse realized, I'm going to open my mouth to try and avoid that pressure. And unfortunately, it becomes a habit. And then I have also seen, even when you change that, even when you put a comfortable bit the in the horse's mouth, to break. the habits are hard to break. Mm. So when you start to, to, to try and address these issues, if the horse is younger still, you can get more longer reaching, more longer lasting and more dramatic changes when the horse is already very established in some of these habits, even when it's more comfortable, the habit can persist to some extent. It's still better for it to be more comfortable than not though. And um, and I know I said that there was the last question, but this is this is a good one. <laughs> Your opinion on um, leather bits? Ah, that's also a good question. Good question. Um, I, they, they're not bits that I've used that frequently. Mm. Um, I think they, they also definitely have their place. You get a small percentage of horses where I think the material the bit is made out of can be an issue. Okay. And it can provide a, a useful alternative. In terms of the design of the bit, it's a little bit like a, a flexible synthetic mouthpiece. Okay, They offer a little bit of give. They can generally be quite thick, Okay, mm. but they... they, they shape a little bit okay. in the horse's mouth. I do think though, my one comment on the on the leather bits would be is they require quite a bit of maintenance. Okay, because oh, that leather can get quite okay. hard. Oh that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, How do you maintain a oil? Really? Yeah. Phil, yeah. Oh, shame. Yeah. So but the the not not um oh, so say, like not, not oil. tack oil, yeah, but like yeah. Okay. Or, um, cooking oil oh, okay. type of thing can, okay. can be used on them a little bit. So, but yeah, they, mm. they, I think sometimes when, when that might be something you, you, every now and again, you get horses that have, that are, it's, I'm going to say even, you know, sort of the, the, the more performance horses that have got a lot on their plates and a lot of things to mm. deal with. We spoke about that 1%. Sometimes something as simple as changing the material because there's so many dots we or so many boxes we're trying to tick can make a difference okay. for that particular horse. And in that instance, that might be a possible answer. But it's not one that I use very frequently. And I don't want to leave any questions unanswered for our currently 29 viewers. Equine Lingo says, Hi Dawn, always learn so much from you. I agree. Question is, do you find many horses needing various bits throughout their journey or career? Or do you find that many go in the same bit for their whole life under saddle? Okay, that's that's also a good question. Um, that varies quite a lot. I think it first of all depends on on um, what the horse started with to begin with. That can be a, an aspect. Okay, if in other words, if it was 
quite well fitted from the start mm. that there's a chance that it can then stay in the same thing for That's quite a lot depends longer. depends on the change in training. It depends on the change in training. It depends on the change in rider. Yeah. Um, it depends on, you know, it, sometimes the shift of the focus for that particular uh, training for that particular horse or what discipline it's going to compete mm. in can shift. That can result in the need of a change of bit. And I also do find, though, that some horses are just more the sensitive. My, my, I've got an analogy for just about everything. But I think it's the same thing with some people. Some of us are just naturally more ticklish than others. I know it's a simple analogy, mm. but it's an, an analogy. And I think some horses are naturally more reactive. I put the bit in their mouths as a three-year-old for the very first time, and that horse is busy in its mouth. And I'll do another horse on the same day that's three years old in the same yard, same environment, whatever the case is, and the horse is quiet from the start with what I put in its mouth. And you change it and it's still quiet. It's like, you know, I really don't mind. I've put it some horses where it, it really is inconsequential to the horse. They, yeah. They're fine. Whereas others... From the get-go, yeah. they are. That's actually my own horse. Is one of the things that finally oh, tipped really the scale into into going into doing mm. this because I couldn't find. He reacted to everything, and I changed his bit, and he's now been in the same bit for fifteen years. <laughs> so the well, answers, it's not an absolute no. answer. So it varies. Different horses mm. and shifting requirements. And one other thing I will say as well, I've also had the fortune sometimes of bidding the same horse that was sold to a different owner and the requirements change. Totally. Um, I think it's, it's, it's an ongoing thing. And, um, you know, I've, sometimes I've got people who I don't see very often and they say, like, I need you to write me the warm up, mm. you know, like send me and I'm like, Ooh, you know, like, yeah. like this, because every day when you come to your horse, you're coming, you have to come yeah. with, and I think that's the root of Shakespeare said, um, expectation is the root of all heartbreak yeah and it's coming with that expectation like but we did this yesterday exactly and horse goes no 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 you know um karen jordan thank you karen for supporting um your your ex-lecturer thank you for this podcast i think bitting is a major factor that is overlooked many people tend to stick to five or so bits but there are so many other options these days and i think a lot of the time and i can say this as 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 a rider um you know, we, la we land up sticking with those bits because we spent a great deal of money on them a few Absolutely. years ago. So we land up, you know, the, the second horse that I put in a double bridle, the first double bridle I, I tried it in was the last double bridle I bought because the initial commitment is a seven grand outlay yeah. then without having access to um, an idea like this, which is so great. Um, you know, and you go like, well, I can't make that commitment if I don't know if it's going to work. And I yeah. haven't, I can't go and borrow bits to try unless yeah. you go and... Um, so, so um, the premise of probiting, just to touch on it quickly, is that you come out to do the mouse confirmation yep. and you give people some bits that you think would try and they get yep. to... And we trial ride while I'm there. And that also evolved over time. And that, that's, that's to give the first indicator that more a yes or a no. Um, it's always nice to, and especially when I do it locally, then I can leave the bit and um, the the I like to get feedback from the coaches. I like because they Whoa. see the horses regularly. But the, the bitting itself, you usually you give the chance for the horse to give feedback. Mm. And from the ground, I can see, and that's what I'm observing. And again, from having you know being able to see so many, mm. it's it makes for it, it's very interesting. Mm. And 
you interact with the rider, Q&A the rider, what's their experience, what do they feel? We said before we started, sometimes what I see on the ground, what the rider's feeling is two different things. Mm. When you do it for children and juniors, it's the most brutal experience <laughs> because you will think from the ground that I thought that looked excellent and the child's face says, no, no. Nope. Yeah. And then I'll think, it's okay, now I'm going terrible. right out of the box and then yeah. the child comes back smiling and... Yeah. Okay, so point being is the the in that context you get feedback from the horse and that whole package together puts us in the right direction and be able to give input on the correct fit. Yeah, um, I, I I can't remember who it is, but they talking about dressage shows and competitions, and it was Nuna Nuveras or someone who said that the the horse is your is your strongest judge. Yeah, you know because they, really they will tell you if you're doing a good job or not. Really. Um, Oh, Bernice, this is a, a, a testimonial. That show I met Dawn, my horse kept running away. She solved the problem with fitting a good bit. You're, you're going to be flooded now. People are going to be... In fact, I want you to pick my horse before I compete tomorrow. Just stay chance. <laughs> you need to resale expectations. I need... Bernice, stop it. Um, yeah, I want you to come fit tomorrow morning before we go off. Um, and Dawn, if people are interested in the equine science course, where can they find information about the subjects okay. and things? Um, they can go to the, the TT website, okay. um, which is, it's um, www.tt.ac.za. Okay. And um, they can also make direct contact with me. Um, I can give you my, my TUT email address as well. Okay. If that's fine. I could, yes, if you don't mind. It's Mansfield, mm. DF, so two Ds at tut.ac.za uh, also if you just go and google equine science diploma it yes. is the first Definitely the first course yeah. the, the the first result that comes up on 100%. google Dawn, thank you so much for joining us this night it was so nice this is the longest podcast we've had because we just got going and it got so exciting one of one of um the more exciting topics that we've had um so I just want to say thank you to everyone who joined us tonight. Thank you for all of the questions and the engagement. Please remember that you are always free to send podcast uh, topic suggestions to podcast at saef.org.za. We would like to thank Dawn Mansfield, uh, lecturer at the Tony University of Technology for the Equine Science Diploma, a course that I actually did many years ago now, unfortunately. Um, she's also the, the owner, manager, runner, um, yeah, like sole employee of ProBitting. Is there a website for that? No. no. Okay, ProBitting, the, the email address is in um, the comment section. And Ria also says, thank you so much for this. Love the topic, learn so much. Orla Hunter also says, great talk. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you next week, Wednesday, when we will be discussing dressage. We'll do a little bit intro uh, into the disciplines now. Um, we're going in alphabetical order to make sure that there's no favoritism at play. So don't think that this is on me as a dressage rider, that that's why we're leading with it. And we will be speaking to Di Smith, who is the president of DSA, Dressage South Africa, as well as Greta Ferreira, now houseman, she has just gotten married, who was our competitor at the World Equestrian Games recently in Denmark, uh, scoring a personal best for South Africa and herself of 70%. So tune in next week for that podcast. Thank you so much for joining us and this was straight from the horse's mouth tonight.